I love the show that happens before the show, dear listeners. <laughs> I love my co-hosts so much. That's all I'm going to say. You just like to make me blush because then I get really flustered and I get embarrassed and then you eat it up with a spoon. I do. It's because it's the cutest damn thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and I love you. Um, I'll just be here very small. Oh, the friendship is real. The romance is real. <laughs> We're here for you people. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the the final final girl. Welcome to another week of horror movie survival guide. (laughs) I see you shiver with Antissa. Say it. Uh, This week we are talking about uh, 1961's The Innocents. Uh, The title of this episode is I Do Sense Things. I Do Sense Things. And the tagline for this movie is A Strange New Experience in Shock. Yeah. Um, I don't think that. Uh, I think it might have been for 1961. That's what I'm gathering uh, it's from not watching the, it's some not stuff. The, it's not that I doubt that this is a new experience in shock. I think this movie is fucking fantastic. It doesn't go with the story at it all. It just feels like it, that was picked from like a list of taglines and it really has nothing to do with the film. It has absolutely nothing to do with this film. Which, you know, I'm, I've am i become a bit of a tagline connoisseur, I would say, no, you're this like, show. No, I, you're like a tagline I, expert now. I judge harsh no, on your taglines. I do too now because of you. Like when I go see something or I hear like, a, like you know, the ad for it, yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, nah. That's all they got? I was like, that's lame. I'm like, it doesn't make me want to see it or like it doesn't feel like that's what the movie is at all. You can tell sometimes when it's incongruous yes like i saw some great tweet like a week or two ago and it was like somebody was talking about like cinema score and it's like cinema scores are bad not because the movie's bad but because the advertising didn't match what the viewer thought they were going to go in and see Mm. yeah and quite often the expectation was wrong and so you go there and you're like that's literally not what i thought i was going to see because this makes me think the this tagline makes me think it's like a william castle film it's like i'll rock them shock them we got like stuff flying at the screen kids it's not what this movie is at all but this movie is Amazing. So it's based on Turn of the Screw by Henry James. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this screenplay was done by William Archibald and Truman, Truman Capote. Capote. I'm on top of the drawer, folks. Yeah. And uh, directed by Jack Clayton. Mm-hmm. Uh, this film is indescribably gorgeous, filmed in cinemascope. So you get like wide angle, black and white gloriousness. And just uh, beautiful landscapes and just it's sumptuous. And costumes and, you know, all the whole bit. So uh, the beginning of the film, there's apparently 45 seconds of blank screen. Yes. With just a child singing. Yeah. And a lot of projectionists when this movie came out thought it was a mistake. So they, like chopped it off. So like, uh... they were like, what? This is a mistake. Chop that off. I like, could no, see no, that. But, like, how great is it? Like, the first 45 seconds of your film, we're just going to let your audience sit in silence and hear this creepy kid. Like, you're starting it the movie the and tone. the atmosphere before the movie mm-hmm. even starts 
Well done. I was watching some like documentary about it after too, because I was like intrigued. And yeah. they, they talk about that that scene and and what that could mean. And they're like, it kind of sets you off because they had a whole scene that was written very different than that mm-hmm. for the intro of the movie to set it up. But because they wanted to keep stuff in just that one location, they cut it, but they still used some of that audio mm-hmm. from that scene, oh, but okay. pulled it off. That's cool. So that's what they basically ended up using was like, we like that atmosphere but we don't want it to be from a different place we want it to all be in this one place uh which is a country estate in Bly. yeah and this movie takes place in england in the 1860s it's gorgeous um, so the first line it was first thing we see is a pair of hands a woman like praying praying very ardently uh, and mm-hmm. she says that she wants to save the children not destroy them so we this is uh, and this is our introduction to Miss Giddens, who is the daughter of a country parson and is now meeting with the the uncle, as yes. he's called. We never learned his name. He's nope. just the uncle. It's Michael Redgrave, just, who is this bachelor, this cold hearted as fuck bachelor who has inherited uh, niece and nephew. And that he cares, doesn't want anything to do doesn't with. Doesn't care. Has so much other stuff he'd rather be doing. And he is, is a busy dude, just living his life, having his businesses, doing in other Calcutta, things. In Italy. He's just literally traveling. Is always traveling and he sends them letters sometimes but he's not invested in these children in any way shape or form but he's very you can see from the very beginning that miss giddens is you can is is one of those very fragile kind of movie heroines where you can she looks like she's tough but she looks like she's also about to break at the exact same time she's you know? also like bright-eyed do you and know what I mean? Though, this she's, is her first position. She's yeah. She's never had a job before, so this is her first job. She looks so young and impressionable. It's like I'm gonna go out there and save these children. I'm on a mission. Love children, and he's kind of a bully and is just kind of badgering her, badgering her to do this. And not only does he want her to become a governess, but he wants her to take full and complete responsibility, 100 percent for the estate. Don't bother him about anything. Yeah, he's like, please just be self sufficient. That's basically like, what he's asking yeah, her. So it's someone's just, first job. Please raise these children yeah. until they turn 18 and they're like are leaving. I'm like, that's wow. Like you're not just that's not like a part-time gig. That's like now you're somebody's mother, basically. Mm-hmm. And like you have to come in and with the affection, which you well, can tell idea, is what she really wants is to she like wants, give them affection. She definitely wants that too, but it's also part of partly why she's doing this too. I'm sure why she was recommended is because she is a young eligible lady and he is a gentleman of a certain age of a certain amount of wealth as well. So she's been given this position clearly as a way to try to get into his good graces and hopefully snag a dude and maybe have a built-in family right away. Um, is kind of the idea as well. So you do get that as well, her jumping into this job. Sure, but he just says, never contact me and just leave me alone. But he's not about that. Yeah. Yeah. Leave me alone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she, uh, he does mention, however, that the former governess had died. So you, whatever happens, you got to handle it alone and sway out in this estate in the middle of the country. You want to go? Kind of creepy. Kind of creepy. So she's on the carriage ride all nervous. Yeah, he says, okay. And and then you see the estate and you're like, oh, wow. This is bigger and more grand than you could ever imagine. It's this like is what you get Abbey. From her. Yeah. Yes. Because, you know, she's grown up in a country, in the country. And now the parsonage, like, uh, I'm sure he wasn't that, like, he wasn't wealthy like that at all. Mm -hmm. So she's kind of wide-eyed now, too. Like, oh, like, glorious, this beautiful place. And it does look a little bit, it reminds me, like, of, like, Monet paintings and, like, Mm -hmm. Giverny and, like, seeing, like, the beautiful, like, lake and the lily pads and the the gardens. It looks like she's, you know, stepping into, like, secret garden or something Mm now. Like a beautiful dream. And she wants to walk up to the gate. And when she walks She gets out of the carriage. Yeah, she hops out. She gets out of the carriage. And uh, as she's walking by the lake she hears a lady calling flora's name and flora is the name of the little girl mm-hmm. she will be uh watching because her brother miles is away at school right now and he's at some private school he's been shipped off to so it's just going to be flora and miss giddens for the time being and flora just kind of 
appears. It's just like one moment she's not there and the next moment she is there and she's this incredibly precious little girl, like just the sweetest little face. Like little angel face. In these, in, you know, this little cupcake dress just looks like a little like painter's dream uh, and comes up and t- says that nobody was calling her name. She didn't she hear didn't anything. Hear anything. Um, Mrs. Gross, who was the housekeeper, who is like a Disney character. She's so adorable. I can't like, can't get enough of her. Like she's, she's like the cook, you know, like she's like, the, she's the maid and she's a very stuff jolly and stuff and nonsense. Yes. Yes. She yes. has no time for any of this funny business. She just has to do her job and that's kind of it. She also didn't hear anybody calling either. Um, but so they, they kind of pass it off like, Oh, and who, who knows? It could be anything. No big deal. Yep. That uh, the governess is already hearing voices. No big deal. No big deal. Uh, but, you know, already the, the there's been some off comments. Mrs. Gross says that uh, the uncle has the devil's own eye. Uh, Flora says, like, the big rooms here get bigger at night. So there's already kind and of... And you realize there's a bunch of empty rooms. Yes. Even though the place is huge, they've cordoned off a lot of it or they've shut down stuff because it's so big that they don't need it. So they only have certain rooms furnished. A lot of it's not. Um, it's so, it's this weird place of, it's so big that you could have like secrets and things here. It's that kind of a place where like a lot of stuff could happen that no one would know about for years and years, maybe even because it's so massive. And you find out they have a very small staff there too. Yes, It's just a few handful of them, you know, a cook, a couple of maids and then um, a groundskeeper and like a, a, a spouse of one of them. And that's about it. And like, hey, you know, a big house like that, when everything's open and there's life and there's, it's everything, it's beautiful. But then when you start closing it off and having these empty rooms, it starts getting kind of a creepy feeling to it because now it's kind of dying, this house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's probably too big to even clean everything. So I'm sure some of the rooms are closed and are like cobwebby and stuff and too. And falling apart. Yep. Um, and Flora says she's excited because Miles is coming home. But of course, Miles isn't coming home because Miles is at school. Like, what is she? She's just right. a little girl. And she says, delusions. This, yeah, and she also has this weird prayer. She's going to bed at night and stuff too. Like, you know, where, where would the Lord take my soul? Wondering when you, you pray, my Lord, my soul to keep, what does that even mean? And she's got questions about the soul already. And I was like, little child asking you about your soul. Oh no. Yeah. And then and this big creepy house. Miskins has a nightmare and you see uh, Flora come over and kind of smile at her she's as she's all creepy as she's floundering in her nightmare. Uh, but then there is a letter that comes the next day that Miles is indeed coming home because Miles has been expelled from school for doing uh, an injury to the others. But Flora somehow knew that that letter would come before it came. Hmm. Why does she know things? And now Miss Giddens, who had been sold these two angelic children, is now a little bit nervous because what is Miles' problem? Is he going to come corrupted and contaminate her and Flora? What's going to happen? I was like, what do you mean corrupt and contaminate? He's expelled, but it's a very different time. But but, but but bad kids, it's like what one bad seed sparrows a whole bunch, right? Right. It's like you get that one bad kid in there and then gives bad ideas to all the other kids and that's when the nightmare starts. Again, this is her first job. So Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, I thought I had like these sweet angel babies. And now I find out I have one who's got premonitions about her brother coming home and the other one whose brother, the brother who is coming home, who is questionable as well. But he gets off the train and he's the cutest little boy Uh, on the planet. Adorable. And he's like a little gentleman. Yes, Martin Stevens. He Mm -hmm. looks like you just shrunk a man and put him in a little suit. Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't look, you know, his face, Mm -hmm. he looks childish and grown up at the same time. He's a man child. He is full on. And he's He's so adorable. He brings her flowers and is very charming. And she's very overwhelmed because he's so cute. And she's like taken aback. She's like, Oh, I didn't expect to like love him immediately. Immediately. And she is just charmed by him. And even the housekeeper, Mrs. Krause is like, um, uh, 
you're charmed by him already because she was gonna supposed to chastise him about you know getting some getting expelled yeah but she's like oh well, i'll do that later like let him have his moment and is welcome him home and and flora know. and miles are both very good at the art of not answering questions you don't want to just just let him go yeah, they just let him go. Like they like that's such an unchildlike thing to do. It's, it's just, very grown up of them to just like I don't want to answer next that subject. Question. Yeah, mm, onwards. I'll say something else instead. They're good at spinning, you know. But they also, you know, we also get you know, Miss Giddens really wants to be affectionate to this child, and Miles talks about how you know his uncle has no time for him and how sad that is. She wants to pour love into these children. She feels like she could make a difference for them. Um, and this is where it gets a little awkward too. Cause like miles, I guess is like asleep no, awake at night. And while she's walking through the house beautifully with a candle, up, with a little mm-hmm. candle and like goes and, um, she's outside his door, kind of like listening to see if he's asleep. And he's like, Hey lady, come in. I'm actually up. Yeah, <laughs> I can hear you. I see you. I know you're out there. I know you're out there. Come in. And he so, keeps calling her my dear, my dear, and like a, like, it's really creepy, right? Like a little boy calling a full grown woman, my dear. He sounds like a grown-ass man, and it's terrifying a little uh-huh. bit because he is treating her like a lady. Like, he's, like, wooing her. Yeah. And you're like, wait, you're a, a okay, okay, man-child. But it's, yeah, so calm and so unflustered, and, like, she's very nervous, and, the, like, the window, the wind blows the candle out, and she, oh, and he's like, it's just the wind, my dear. Oh. Don't be nervous. It's just the wind. Like, oh, okay. Okay, son. Um, and he talks about how he lies awake at night and, and she's, you know, wondering what he thinks about. And he doesn't really answer the question about what he thinks about. That avoidance technique is yeah. killer. And, um, you know, he doesn't care what happens. He talks about the, how the uncle doesn't care what happens to them and all that stuff, too. So we have this next day. We have this. Her, she's, she's working in the garden. She's clipping some roses in the garden. And we had this very... Uh, carnival of souls moment where all the sound drops out although this is pre-carnival of souls so we'll say the innocence moment where all the sound drops out and she's looking around like suddenly the sun is too bright and she sees a man up on the tower uh and it shouldn't be there and it and all of a sudden you know she drops her scissors and there's this moment of disorientation it is disorienting because like these birds like fly through the shot as well too because it looks like did she see birds and like just think she saw a man on the top um it's it's starting to again like that question of what's real and what's not real it mm-hmm. reminds me a little bit of the haunting too where you're like this movie reminds me a lot of the haunting yeah and i mean i mean they're both black and white and they're both beautiful but they both also have this kind of fragile fragile woman who's deal- kind of figuring out what's happening and is like kind of always a step behind every the house or the possession or mm-hmm. whatever um, and also in this moment too, we get this great, beautiful shot too, as she's in the garden, there's all these kind of things that are beautiful, but they're a little off. And one of the things that is, is there's this like cherub looking like gargoyle looking thing. It's like a little cherub, like out of stone. And all of a sudden a beetle crawls out of its mouth yeah. in this moment. This so something that was very beautiful and is now tainted mm-hmm, like these children. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's a, it's a good little, uh, uh, flag. Uh, but in a, in a kind of a, a, a powerful move, she sees this man in the tower and she's like, I'm going to go see who that is immediately and just goes on. Walks the to the tower. top of that tower. Uh, but the only person up on the top of the tower is Miles. Little man boy. Hanging out with a dove on his head. Just being like, what? And just playing with these birds up there. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, what do you mean? Like, um, you're seeing things. I mean, you know, you haven't been sleeping well. I know you haven't. And she's like, wait how do you know I haven't been sleeping well? He's like, yeah, Flora told me you don't sleep well so that you could just be you're tired and that's what you're seeing things. But you can never believe Flora because or maybe, she invents things. Right. Or maybe you need glasses. And this is another time where he says, you're really pretty. He's told her this already a couple of yes, times, he has. like complimented her. And he's like, maybe you need glasses, but you're too pretty for glasses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Little man. 
<laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> but he is a, a killer expedition giver on a pony, as he gives the next day, being very clever. And they, you know, and then we have the first scene of them kind of like looking like they're having a good time and asking her about her life and how, you know, how small was your house? Was it too small for secrets? Mm-hmm. And oh, secrets, you know, would never last in a small house, but in a big house. Right. But this moment right before is also still filled with terror as he's doing the pony expedition. She thinks he's going to fall off and die or something, too. So she's terrified the whole time. She's but then realizes this entire movie. Yeah. To be fair. Uh, you know what? <laughs> like True. everything. But like this- that really like scared her. She's like, oh, my God, the child, he's going to break himself. And then he's like, oh, no, I'm an expert. And you're like, oh, OK. But they, they but- seem so much smarter than her this whole time. Though. They do. And they have the looks on their faces like they feel like they're smarter than her. Yeah. Like these kind of smug looks of, uh, you know, are you catching up yet? kind of looks mm-hmm. that they give her so yeah as they're talking in the den and like doing little arts and crafts like the kids are drawing and sharing their drawings with her too they're having this conversation about secrets and houses and uh and yeah. then they decide to play some hide and seek even though it's bedtime but then miss grass is like it's their bedtime she's like oh they've charmed me you know yes ha, ha, ha. a little bit of a pushover so they're uh, playing hide and seek but she sees a woman walking down the corridor while she's playing hide and seek that she doesn't recognize as anybody who's on the staff. So she's a little thrown by that um, and goes to find them up in the attic in this creepy room. It's like the old toy room and discarded attics of things. So there's like a little like um, Jack in the box kind of thing. Jack in the boxy or like a little puppet kind of thing. And then there's, she finds this music box that has this old broken amulet of a picture of a man very handsome, dashing, dashing man. man, but it's broken in this music box. And the music box plays the tune that we hear both children playing and humming quite often throughout this film, this this little sad tune. It's a song um, from the very beginning of the movie, actually, yes. that Flora was in the in the pitch dark and mm-hmm. the, the movie started was humming and singing. Uh, and then Miles jumps out from behind her, says, now you're my prisoner and goes to about choking her. And like not, holds her in a chokehold, like stranglehold. Not kidding, choking, like choking, choking. And she's like, you're hurting me. Please get off. Off, you're hurting me and he's looking like he's kind of enjoying this moment uh but flora comes in and and ruins it uh and but you can see her face is like oh he just really choked me pretty good there but they persuade her to go hide and seek again anyway which i would not if i was her i'd be like kids it yeah, is time for bed um but she's goes ahead and says okay great i will go hide ha, ha, ha. and goes and hides behind a curtain wes is laughing she didn't say ha 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 exactly wes you're right um but she goes and hides behind the curtain that's her <laughs> subtext and in inner monologue um and she goes and hides behind the curtain and as she's hiding she looks outside the window next to her and all of a sudden the dude she just saw the face from the amulet that was all broken that was kind of handsome comes towards her through the window. Yeah, and it's like this amazing push on his face, like he's moving like a human does not move. Uh, it's really unsettling. Uh, the first time that Terry and I watched it together, we went, ah! <laughs> scary guy in the window. Uh, but she, uh, but this is the thing, like even though she is this kind of fragile character, she also doesn't fuck around because she goes straight out on that patio. She's like, okay, where is he? Where'd that guy go? Yeah. Not there, you know? So she's not afraid. She doesn't run and scream. She's, she's like, not afraid to look, right? So she, but everything kind of freaks her out. <laughs> it does all freak her out. But Grouse, like Miss Grouse comes and sees her and she, you know, is Explains like. Explains who this is. Yeah, so Peter this, Quint. Who was the master's valet. Yep. Uh, but he's dead. So you're like, oh, well, couldn't see him then if he's dead. Yep. But children laughing at that. Hilarious. And they're uh, like laughing by the music box and you hear the creepy laugh of the children as the story is being told. So uh, Quint uh, slipped on the ice outside on the patio where she saw him and fell. Uh, they found him. Miles found him. Yeah, little, the little master Miles found um, him. They said there was a little, a little bit suspicious. Something about his death didn't seem quite right. But, you know, 
it is what it is and he's dead, uh, but seems to have this kind of slight insinuation that he might have had something going on with Mrs. Jessel, who was the previous governess. Yes. And so what the one who was, was also going dead on that there, we still don't know how she died yet. Not yeah. yet. But we do learn that Quint had such power over Miles that Miles admired him and was he was the father figure, even though yeah, he because, was kind of a brute. And also because Uncle was never there. Like right. Uncle didn't pay any attention to him. So here's a man paying any type of attention to him. He's going to just lap it up and wants to like emulate him and be like him and be around him so they had a really strong connection and so that's what they haven't talked about yet and so to have him be the one who found him is right. really crazy and you could see that that would might fuck up a child pretty pretty nicely yeah. uh and so we have this now it's time for they have a there's a bus up in the schoolroom and flora cries and so now it's time for flora's birthday party and let's have a party and let's get yeah, dressed well, up. flora is no <laughs> we can't just dust over that i'm sorry this was creepy as hell because like what? they're in that schoolroom, you know up in the school yeah. room in, in their house and she is literally like deliberately screeching down her chalkboard and she's like is that bothering you and she gets kind of shitty yeah. and she's been this sweet angelic angel baby pretty much the whole movie till even though it's just sure. had her creepy laugh moments and right. her creepy like kind of moments looking at her but she hasn't done anything directly to miss giddens yet until mm-hmm. like, this moment and Ms. Giddens does not know how to deal with it. And just goes, okay, fine, fine, fine. We won't do school today, right. kids. And this is the first time we've seen like Miles and Flora scream at each other as well. Like they've always been very close. And now it seems like there's a some sort of fissure in between them. So instead to make up, let's go have a, let's dress up and have a creepy, creepy, creepy poem recitation <laughs> by Miles. <laughs> that wasn't, I don't think the intention, but maybe that was the intention. Yeah. So they, um, yeah, they decide to dress up and pretend like it's their birthday and they won't let Ms. Giddens come with them while they do the dress up and, get, and plan this whole thing. Cause they're like, no, no, it'll be a fun surprise and it'll be great. It'll be so joyous. And she's like, okay, great, great. It'll be. Mm. Yeah. So the kids come downstairs dressed like king and queen. They've got like, you know, like they've made little crowns uh, out of things from the attic and when they put on these beautiful little outfits and that little miles. Mm-hmm. Woof. Yeah recites this poem that basically is telling the tale of Quint. Yeah. Um, of his, you know, being enamored with somebody and, you know, being sought after and looked for and basically being coming back from the other side. Yeah. Coming and he back kinda, from the grave. He like does an incantation kind of at the end of this poem yeah. of calling him forth and being like, you can come, um, you can come back. Oh, it's, the beginning is when is my Lord, my Lord is away. And then he says, um, welcome back, my Lord. Welcome back. Yeah. Is the end of the poem. Miles, you're a creepy kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is the, and the now we have the scene where they're uh, out in the they have this cute gazebo that's out by the lake, and this is the first time that uh, Miskins sees. Miss Jessel standing in the weeds on the lake, which is, it, and she's just lady in black by the lake, lady in black, just standing there, you know, and it's that, it's that ghost that just stands there. That's the creepy ghost. And to me, what's also creepy about her is that you have Miss Giddens who's so quaffed this entire film. Like she always looks incredibly perfect. And you have this woman who in 1860 something just has her hair hanging limp around her face. And what that says as a woman in that time period, like you would never, ever let you, you would never go out like that. Mm-hmm. Right. That's just, but we talk about how Miss Jessel was so depressed at the end and she was this died of a heartbroken heart and, and how she, she wore black every day by the just end. kind of depressed wraith and, and how scary it is that she looks very modern because her hair is down like that. And that kind of, throws me out and makes it even creepier to me. So well done. 
Well done. Well done, um, Creepy Lady. Creepy Lady in the Weeds. Yeah. And Deborah Carr talked about like how the filming of that was so beautifully shot because like it's kind of a little muddled in the back. So mm-hmm. she still looks a little bit like, are you sure you're not just seeing the weeds or you're yes. seeing a woman? So you can still, you're, the yeah. audience still right. could shot. have a question. Right. It's shot from far away. Yeah. And that's something that's never, you know, it's one of those kind of films is like, is it in the protagonist's head or are they really seeing this like we're never really quite sure and right. all the er- other characters will never fess up to seeing it and like how frustrating that is mm-hmm. but it, you know, she's the only one who can see and it she's starting to kind of break down and you know pr- pr- professes to mrs gross like there's something secretive and whispering and decent in this house and wants to learn about like exactly what's happening and yeah she's it? like what happened because i'm getting clues that some stuff went down here you need to tell me all the tea lady and so she is trying to figure that out so mrs gross finally tells her oh, i'll tell you what happened and it's just yeah. like Quint was this monster who used to beat Miss Jessel and she would come after him and like any she would take anything he gave her and that rooms, Love kernels. rooms used by daylight as if they were dark woods. You go, ooh. And maybe the children were watching that whole time. We don't really know. And so they had a very tumultuous, sounds like awful, like weird, jacked up love affair, basically. But in front of children. Yes. Because there was no one there to police it. Yeah. And they were the ones that were left in charge because uncle doesn't care and just puts anyone, like he put Miss Giddens in charge. Yeah. That lady should not be in charge of that house. <laughs> Do you know what I mean though? So like he was, clearly he has a history of just being like, you're right. in charge. Like, I was just like, oh, you showed up to this interview? Yeah. Right. It's great. you. You got the job. And <laughs> so go out there to my estate and just run it how you need to run it. So the person who was in charge before was Quint. And he was the one, he was the master of the house before. Right. So he took that job and abused it is what he did. And, you know, had the kids under his thumb as well as Miss Jessel and broke her. Yes. Um, and once he died, however, however he died, she did not do well. So now there's just this unsettled business around this house and you get the sense that these children, because they've seemed so much older than they are, have maybe had a very crazy connection with these people from before mm-hmm. and still do. And it's interesting because um, they had talked about how little Flora had danced and danced and danced for hours with Miss Jessel. And I was like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, why are they just dancing and dancing and dancing for hours together? There's a lot of very, a lot of questions, especially watching it now from what I understand to from the original time that came out to now, uh-huh. just knowing like looking at relationships with adults and children, it's sure. very off putting and well, very upsetting. Yeah. And you know, you're never quite clear and it's left to your imagination and like how far with your imagination are you going with this story? Because they're going to go kind of far with it later and we'll yeah. get to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but this is where Miss Giddens is starting to finally like put foot down and be like, look, this house has been poisoned. These children are a pair of calculating liars. Like they are possessed. Like we need to figure this out. And Miss Gross, that's why I love her. She's just like stuff and nonsense, whatever you say, miss, like it's nothing to her. She thinks, even though she knows the children, there's something wrong with the children, she just kind of leaves them go. She's like, let it go. Let pretend it's not well, happening. No, she's like, well, if you, what can you do to break it? She's like, we've been here, you know, and these kids are sweet. If we let them know that there's something wrong with them, what is that going to do to them? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean, though? And if, it, if, and if it's just in this lady's head or because she can't see the apparitions right. that, you know, Ms. Giddens is seeing, she just is like, well, why would you tell them that there's something wrong? It's like, this is a, you know, this is 1800s. It's supposed to be or whatever, like of this story. It's not like we have modern psychology now. Of course. Do you know what I mean? Though? So to try to like break these kids and like 
because they're dealing with really it's PTSD and mourning and a lot of stuff that they're dealing with that they have not been able to confront. Right. And uh, they don't have the tools to do it. She's like, how are you exactly you're proposing to fix this stuff? Right. And that's so Miss Gens is like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go tell the uncle, this is like, we're in way over our heads and we need some help over here because the things here are, are not going well. Right. So she decides she's going to leave, uh, gets the bags packed, carriages on the way, just going to go up in the schoolroom for one second, grab my book. Uh, and while she does, while she's up there, she, she sees and hears Mrs. Jessel again mm-hmm. in the schoolroom. And it's this crazy shot because she sees the ghost we call her ghost quote unquote mm-hmm. and comes goes sitting toward, at her desk sitting at her desk coming towards her and it's like she's still there halfway through the room still there three quarters of the room and then like when she gets to the front of the room it's gone so it's like she was almost at her like actually seeing her, touching her. her and mm-hmm. then she was gone and but she'd left one single tear on the slate and that's all the proof she needs that this was real this is not in her Tears head on the chalkboard there was somebody here and i'm gonna figure out what is going on and that's when she's like, the children are possessed. I'm getting out of here. Um, and <laughs> because she had already changed. Yeah. But she, you know, she, she this is what she figures out is that these, these the Quint and Jessel have possessed the children and that they can only reach each other by entering the souls of the children. Which um, is why, because the children, when you've cut back, have had like all these like kind of strange like connections and closeness. Like See, the way they hold hands is, together, right, it looks the thing, like, like they're a how couple. far are we going with this, right? Because right. it's like you have adult p- souls entering children's bodies who right. are children and brother and sister. So you it's can looking go, a little flowers in the attic now, all of a sudden, kind of. Yeah, it's a little V.C. <laughs> Andrews, yeah, but, uh, a little more Henry James. Yep. <laughs> yes, but she has her idea is that that she she thinks if that they admit the truth because she feels that they've been eluding her this whole time, but they know what's going on, and if the children just say what's happening out loud, it'll set them free it'll break the spell right this is her idea where she could say the idea from not entirely sure but she seems quite set on it it feels very like a a early therapy though it's like you name the thing so you can start conquering the thing right right? and i feel like it's like in those other movies too where we've had some other ghosty problems and apparitions or um exorcisms and stuff like that it's like once we can name it and call it out we can bring it out and kill it so Uh, yeah but i mean and she's you know we've we've determined from frame one that she's a very religious woman right we see her praying that's the very first thing we see and from she's her the hands daughter of of, of a vicar of, of, but, yeah. right and she's saying like they're, they're devils like they're mm-hmm. being possessed so now she's looking them like they're monsters even though they have these angelic faces um and she can she can hear the ghost talking and laughing constantly and it's this kind right. of is this growing madness and then we get this beautiful scene where she has the candelabra mm-hmm. that gorgeous candelabra they use like special um, candles that burn really really fast too apparently to like oh, okay. shoot it so it's like the flames are stupid big as she's walking through the house it's stunning and she walks through and she's hearing laughter in the halls and too many locked and empty rooms oh and she hears she hears the children are watching Mm -hmm. you're hurting me Mm -hmm. you're like oh and she goes into her room and flora is standing by the window and we look down and we see miles who's down in the garden and flora is just like kind of smiling as she goes back to her bed to her creepy doll as as ms giddens goes downstairs to go retrieve miles Miles from the garden and bring him back and she he says that i wanted you to think me bad for a change that having good child all the time would be boring Boring. um and we're not trying to date what are you trying to try to keep me excited? We're not dating. Yeah, I'm a bad boy. I, but, you know, I have to say, as a good girl, I understand the urge to sometimes be bad, right? No. Just for a change of pace. You're kind of a bad girl sometimes, too. I get it. I am now. <laughs> but later, you know, earlier. Like, right. I get that. I get that. Right. I go bad, go old. But she, he's, he's just, she's like, oh, let, let me fluff up your pillow for you. What do you have here? He's got a dead freaking pigeon under his bed, under his pillow. Not only that one with but a he snapped broken its neck. neck that, like, pretty Looks like he snapped clearly it. Clearly he snapped its neck and it now has it under his fucking pillow. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to bury it later. You're like, Ugh. okay, creepy kid, number one. 
thing. Could be kid number two thing. Let me give you a kiss goodnight. Oh my fucking God. I don't think I've ever seen a kiss between a young boy and a grown woman on screen that lasts as long as this lasts. You're like, it's what? Too far, too far, too far. I mean, honestly, as soon as it starts, you want it to be over. Too far. You want it to be over. Wow. And then he gives her the look. The look. Like, the hey, like, lady. I really want to sleep with you look that Or like no we just boy, did in my head, you know? The little, no little boy should give a grown woman that look. Mm. And it makes me kind of wonder, what did, look, what did they direct the little boy? Like, what was the direction to him? Well, I heard the look kids like, like only got their pages like literally the day before. They actually, so they didn't know they actually the don't whole... know any of the story. Like he they just only, kiss her, though. I know. They just know their scenes. So they might have been like, your mummy's going away for like, you know, a year do you know what I mean? There was something like, I feel like it was probably some very innocuous direction. Yeah, but I'm when sure. you, when an adult looks at it, you go, Ooh, <laughs> goodness. <laughs> so I think, you know, if there's any doubt that he was possessed, I think at that point you're like, yeah, well, yeah, there it yeah. is. That's not how a little boy kisses a grown woman. He would have all. no idea. No. Uh, he, so. he knew what, he looked like he knew what he was working with. And that was really uncomfortable. That's what it was. <laughs> I know. You're just like, uh, <laughs> so many awkward feelings. Yeah, it was really bad. So uh, Flora, in the meantime, escapes in the boat that they like. They thought that she could not row right away. Actually, first two, she starts uh, Giddens, Giddens is like writing a letter right away. Like oh, she's yeah. like, "Dear mm-hmm. Uncle, you need to get here because these kids are fucked up." I mean, it's imagining what that's the subtext of what like she's writing. That's to just that, what Henry James wrote, like word yep. for word. This, these kids are <laughs> fucked up. You need to get out here now. <laughs> Now, <laughs> thank you, Miss Kittens. <laughs> so yeah, so Flora has when earlier she they'd been by the boat and like Miss um, Giddens had told her not to go out there and row because she was too tiny and couldn't do it and like let Miles do it because he's the man ugh, um, to do it. But um, Flora has figured out how to get out there and rows the boat to the gazebo and is dancing to the music box. That creepy, creepy music box. Um, and now we sh- uh, now Miss Giddens sees Miss Chessel again and this is like broad daylight and tries to force Flora to admit that she also sees her. She's She's right there. You can totally see her. Say that you see her. And she won't do it. And she says she sees nothing. But she sounds like she's totally lying. Uh, but then starts to freak out. Wow. Does Flora freak out? She goes bonkers. Yeah, she just starts screaming, screaming bananas. Hysterical like, screaming, screaming for hours and hours and hours. And you're like, ooh. She breaks. You broke her pretty good. She breaks. And Ms. Grouse is very upset because they told her like she's her. real sensitive about her don't mm-hmm. don't mention her yeah because there's you know they, they keep the kids found the bodies found the bodies and had a really strong connection mm-hmm. yep so she's they finally now this is the the final girl move for her is to send her she decides to send everybody away so she can be alone with miles make him admit it break the spell Mm, dodgy, she's dodgy like, yeah, Flora's already, she's broken, but she is not, we're not seeing the ghost of Miss Jessel anymore. So she thinks it's going to be okay and sends them all away. And Miss Gross is like, yeah. And she's like, this is my favorite moment too. When she, um, when uh, Miss Giddens is like, tell um, uncle the truth. And she's like, which truth? Basically, she's yeah, like, what, your the truth? truth, your truth, my truth. Miss Grouse is like, yeah, I'll tell him the truth. And you're like, you know, Miss Grouse is going to be like, hey, that lady out there is crazy. Yeah. Uh, she broke your kid, this kid. The other one's about to get broken. So yeah. you might want to get out there. As you know, that's probably what she's going to go. And yeah, because you see Flora driving away in that carriage. You just see her for a moment. You're like, oh, Flora's gone. And Miles, you know, it treats every, every, everything so cavalierly. Like what a flippant little kitty is, right? And he's just like, oh, you were alone now? Oh, well, you want to be alone with me? 
what do you want to do? What are we going to talk about? What's your plan here? Like it's already kind of goading her mm-hmm. in a very, I'm, I feel very, I'm the man of the house now. That's just me. You know, you know, that it's me and you and you've sent everyone else away. Yeah, what do you I am the man of the house. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do now that we have this house all alone? You're like, ah, <laughs> man, child, that's it's a- really, really uncomfortable again. So, um, miles though had, had disappeared all day though. And then finally when he walks into the room, this is when he has like, like this moment in confrontation. So she's kind of been waiting and like, you know, and- back and forth all day waiting for him. And he says, we can talk like adults now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she keeps trying to make him say it and draw it out of it. He's, you know, and I, I I think it's, it's interesting because this movie I feel is is very English as well, because you have this kind of English way of talking around things and being not really saying what you're meaning. And that kind of Victorian English, I mean, you know, where this is just everything's behind the line, between the lines, but like, she just wants him to like fucking say it out loud. And he keeps dancing around it and finally gets so flustered, he runs away because she's badgering him about it. Oh, as they're at the dinner, though, I, one of my favorite things is he does is he slaps that jello. Yeah. The aspic or whatever that they have yeah, for dinner. Yeah, like they're going to, like, shake reaching hands. Over, yeah, they're reaching over the table to, like, make a truce kind of a thing. And he just slaps the aspic and uh, this, wiggle, like, wiggle. jello. Like and this wiggle mold. wiggle. It looks like a rat mold, which <laughs> was also really off-putting, too. Because who has a rat who's mold? Who's going to make a rat mold? Why would you make that for I'm dinner? I'm glad you called out that moment. I'm glad we didn't skip over that. Yeah, because that was... Because you're like, oh, we're going to be... I rebound that three times. Did you? <laughs> yeah, it was... It's like, oh, we're going to be friends now, and I'm just going to slap this jello. Yeah. Slap it. And he just slaps it. This boy. <laughs> um, I was eating at a restaurant once where a kid put his face first into his plate of jello, and I have to tell you, it was one of the most excellent dining experiences I've had. It was pleasure to watch. <laughs> it took that's got to be so joy. satisfying. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Um, so we finally get to know that Miles was sent home from school because he was hearing and seeing things. Because he says, I do sense things. He can, um, he feels things that other people don't know and can sense ahead of time. So he says he can't tell the future, but he kind of senses what's going on. So he has more preternatural things. And it was creeping people out. It was Mm -hmm. creeping his friends out. It was creeping other kids out, probably creeping the teachers out. Like it creeps out us while we're watching him. Like it is. And we have this like penultimate scene of the two of them going at each other in a greenhouse. So they're both like super sweaty and look so uncomfortable. And you have the shot, you know, and Miles, the actor's such a beautiful little boy. And then they have the shot of him turned around where he starts to scream at her. And like they've, this lens is distorted and his face is all sweaty and he looks like a scary man. And like, starts calling her like a damned hussy and you dirty minded using words that a little child doesn't doesn't know and wouldn't use and he's you know talking about are you happy and talking about how what you're doing makes you look ugly and cruel and he's been calling her beautiful the whole movie so to have him switch right now too this is like the turn of like all the compliments he's given and to pull that from her because she's also as much as she's been wanting to pour love into them she thought i think that she was going to get love back from these kids right and be filled up as well you can tell she wants that as well so to have him turn that on her mm-hmm. is a lot for her to take yeah as well. and she sees peter quint through the window like behind him and like his voice is coming through miles's voice and like they're kind of merging as one and uh miles ends up throwing rupert the turtle out the window and and running away uh, uh but it wasn't uh it wasn't you she finally catches him and says like you know he says he's sorry and like it wasn't you it wasn't that voice it's not your fault and it's just trying to get him to say him, the name say the name like all you have to do is say the name so another back outside in that weird part of the garden where he was earlier where she'd pulled him up earlier in the film and it's when, like a circular area with statues all around yeah it looks sees- like a weird like clock like almost hmm. like it's like it looks like at the end of time you know like a um 
what are those clocks that are sundial thank you i was like you thank you for me doing hand motions uh-huh. and being talking about old school clocks yeah sundial but it looks like a weird <laughs> sundial kind of a space yeah. uh but it starts to get real like the everything gets disoriented the sound starts to go distorted and she starts to see peter up in the statue and just wants him to like he's right there don't you see him and miles uh runs around screaming he doesn't where are you where are you devil and uh falls over faints and you're like oh my god and runs over and she grabs him and didn't faint totally dead yeah he said the name though too but it didn't it it doesn't release him saying peter quinn's name kills him killed him eyes opened killed him and in this final twangy moment that we have from miss giddens as she cradles miles's dead bodies in his arms sweet boy he's gone he's and gives him back the kiss that she he had given her in a very uncomfortable way she kisses him then the the end. end whoa though that movie's awesome it is bonkers cuckoo nuts crazy like the relationships of these people yeah is a lot to take in it is and it's something that you don't it it goes further than most films in that way i will say and lets you take your imagination where it will so we're gonna get into some stuff. Can 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 I yeah, please talk though, about I, it? Please can I please just give a shout out though? I mean, please. all the performances in this movie are incredible. Everybody, Miss Gross, Miss Giddens, Deborah Kerr, right? You know, everybody. But the children, especially uh, Martin Stevens and Pamela Franklin, wow, they're really they, great. Evil Child is such a cliche thing now, but they do it so well because I really fucking believe there are adults in those kids' bodies. 100% believe Well, that. I just love that they, I was watching again more of the documentary and they interview um, the little girl, uh, you know, as an adult. She's talking about like, I didn't know, I didn't get to watch the movie until I was 16. Yeah. Um, you know, in its entirety, because I, I literally had no idea what it was. They just told me to be like a fun girl. She's like, anything else you see colored on that, it's kind of you guys yeah. like adding that to it. She's like, I was literally having a really good time just having fun, um, you know, playing and, and laughing and that's right. all. And she had like, Anything we see, which I think is interesting hearing that now, too, because right. it's like anything we see that's colored or bad is, is you. from the adults. Yeah. It is from us thinking that they're insidious somehow, even though they were just, you know. But this is and I mm-hmm. love this kind of horror movie that even though it's not a gory horror film, like the terrors are in your mind and like you're making it scarier than it is. But it's so beautiful and so ambiguous that it's like leaves you to say what you will about it. It's a true ghost story you it know, is. in that way. Um, where is it in our minds or is it not? And, they, and they never really a hundred percent. They I don't mean, clear it up. No, it they really, don't ever clear it up. It could, she just could be insane. Yeah. She could have just like murdered these kids and broken these children uh-huh. because she was crazy. Um, or there were some crazy ghosties possessing these children and who knows? See it as you want to. Bah, bah, bah. Um, we can get into some gore factor. Please. Uh, there is, um, one, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup, two, puddle of blood, three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer, four, bath of blood, five, run for the barf bag. This is a, a zero. Yeah. There's no blood. No. Just creepy ghosties um, and some beautiful shots. Lack of gore does not mean lack of excellence, though. No, it does not. Make that clear. Uh, Movie ratings, zero to five chainsaws. One, if you're desperate. Two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. And five, fantastagorical. I give The Innocence a five, fantastagorical. And I give The Innocence a four. Okay. Um, I loved it. I like The Haunting better. That's all. (laughs) Okay. All right. I as far as like acting and filmmaking and everything, but I think this is gorgeous and weird, and maybe it's because it's maybe it's because of that, yeah, ickiness. You, I feel of you, watching that, that, that child, that, that, that man boy. Kiss. Yeah, it's whew. yeah. 
Uh, it's more than I wanted to watch. I okay, think. I understand. And that. I forgot about that, honestly. We watched it before, but mm-hmm. I did not remember how, because I wasn't watching it to take notes. You know yeah. what I mean? The last time we were watching it with friends and like, you know, enjoying it for a movie night, but woo. Uh, so next week, we are going to be uh, watching a film that neither one of us have seen, I don't think. No. Uh, we're going to be talking about Cooties. Cooties. We love Elijah Wood, so. Elijah, Elijah. Julia's doing her Elijah dance, just so you guys know. <laughs> I did have a little dance, I did oh, I? And then she just giggled? Okay. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Um, someone got a crush. We love him. We love you, Elijah Wood. If you ever listen to this, uh, we love you. Uh, so we thank you wait. for listening to us talk about the innocence. Uh, please find us on our social media. We'd love to talk to you and our Patreon. We always have yeah. wonderful bonus stuff for you. Um, and we we love you as listeners. You're wonderful. Thanks for thank letting you. our voice go into your ears. And if you could rate us, that would be great on the Apple Podcast or on Facebook or someplace where you just want to, or just shout it from the rooftops, and then you know, you Sound know, your barbaric horror movie survival guide. We yeah. love it. Over the rooftops of the world. That's all we ask. It's not so much. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.